The Down in a Heap podcast from Rob C. is one of the only podcasts that I can stand to listen to. I'm Froth from the Thought Eater podcast, and I approve this message. Boom, 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 in old school games, life is cheap. Don't be a dope, bring your pole oil and rope and try not to go down in a heap. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast. I'm your host Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful northeast Minneapolis. And I'm trying to hold my voice together here with some duct tape and bailing wire. We'll see how long it lasts. It's probably going to be a pretty quick episode. But thanks to Froth there at the top of the show for your introduction, support, and endorsement. And then to the great Colin Green from Spike Piss <laughs> the Spike Pit Podcast. Oh, let's see if I can enunciate here. Doing his rendition of my theme song. Thanks, Colin. I appreciate it. It's still October. Still OSR October. And among the other podcasters that I've heard doing some episodes, Colin is one of them. So go check out his latest uh, on Spike Pit. Also, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, the Pink Phantom over at Phantom Thoughts, uh, BJ over at the Arcane Alienist dropped a podcast, I think, Evil Jeff at Minions and Musings, Daniel at Bandit's Keep, who am I forgetting? I'm probably forgetting a bunch. I should have written it down. Hmm. Lords of Light! Yes, I did forget a few. There's, uh... Spencer, also known as Free For All, from Keep Off the Borderlands, has done an OSR October episode, as has uh, Barry at Shadow of the GM, and Rob, over at, also known as Minion, over at Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushi. So, let me know if I'm forgetting anyone, um, but that's kind of the rundown that I've heard so far. Um, today, I'm going to just do another product review, and... I have to confess, I'm usually not very plugged in um, on on new products and discovering things. I generally discover things by taking like a, I don't know, maybe monthly, bi-monthly trip over to my favorite game store, The Source, over in St. Paul. Um, well, actually, I think it's Roseville, but it's a great game store, comic store, um, it's about the only place that I can still see, like, war games and stuff. And they've got a giant selection of uh, RPGs, other board games, miniatures. And even though I'm not a comics guy, they've, they've got a huge section of comics. Um, but they've, uh, especially it seems like in the last couple of years, they've been bringing in a lot more kind of indie games and stuff and they even have a, a they started out with like this little indie section and now they're even doing things like zines and stuff so i if i see something there i've learned to just grab it if it's at all interesting to me because they usually only have half a dozen copies or something or that's what it appears to be and not only do i want to encourage them to keep stocking things like that so so people like me that you know, just randos off the street that otherwise don't really hear about things can can see what's kind of exciting and new in um, 
the RPG scene. And the, uh, the latest thing I picked up there... Sorry about that, had a coughing fit. What was I babbling about? Where I get find out about new things. So the old-fashioned way at the game store and hearing other people talk about it on podcasts is pretty much, those are the two places I generally hear about it. Occasionally I'll get like reminders or um, emails from people that I've, I've backed in Kickstarter before letting me know they're doing another Kickstarter or something, but but those are the two primary places. And the latest thing I got is something by Todd Lebak, L-E-B-A-C-K. Uh, he is from Filling in the Blanks Supplements, the populated hex crawl series, A Guide to Thieves Guilds, designed for use with old school essentials. But before I go into that, I've got a message from Jason at Nerds RPG Variety Cast that I forgot to play in my last episode. Take it away, Jason. It's about time you showed up. Hey, Rob. Jason here. Just listening to your latest episode. Great call-ins. You know, Rich brings up a couple good points. I think we'll hit the most important thing first. Uh, well, maybe not the most important, but most important to Jason is the traps. And you already know why I love Rich's call about traps and your answer, because that player skill with traps and the idea of foreshadowing them and then figuring out how to avoid them or disarm them means that you don't need thieves. So we can eliminate the hated thief class from the game by doing traps that way. So great, great call. As far as encumbrance goes, yeah, you know, I'm not... I'm okay tracking full encumbrance. It can be a little bit of a pain in the butt. You know, oh, I've shot an arrow, so my encumbrance has gone down by this much. You know, that level of encumbrance tracking can, you know, get a little weary. So I'm okay with generalizations. Like, I think OSE does it by, and so I guess by default BX. I haven't looked at BX for a while. But you have some systems that do it by armor type, right? You know, generally, if you're wearing this kind of armor, this is how, and of entering gear, you're carrying this much. But I think where encumbrance needs to be tracked is when we're picking up treasure. Because Rich nailed it. If you come across a horde, you can't carry that horde out with you. So I think it is important to track treasure encumbrance. So I'm not so worried about, you know, am I carrying 20 arrows or am I carrying 15 arrows? and adjusting the encumbrance each time I shoot an arrow. But I do want to count encumbrance for each bit of treasure I pick up because that is important, because that is interesting in how much treasure I can carry out of the dungeon, how much treasure I have to hide, how much I have to bury, what am I doing with this, do I have to get rid of the copper pieces to make room for the silver pieces, all that kind of stuff I think is interesting. So I'm all for tracking treasure encumbrance but adventuring gear, I'm okay just lumping in as a generic piece. Anyhow, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. And keep podcasting better than me. Now I'm sounding like Tim Shorts. <laughs> hey, Jason. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, you came up with a, a new sign-off for someone to, uh, to steal. Keep podcasting better than me. 
<laughs> like it. It does echo Tim Short's, uh, his classic roll better than me sign off. Um, of course you have the, the hated thief. Gotta get rid of the hated thief. <laughs> what we gotta do is one of these days, Jason, uh, with our tongues firmly in cheek, we need to get together and podcast about the hated thief and maybe share our pros and cons about having a thief in classic D&D games. Um, and maybe the supplement I review here will make you see some other possibilities or something for thieves too. I do think you focus a lot on on the whole trap aspect, which I think is a very minor part of what the thief does in a group. Uh, at least the 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 type of play that I usually participate in, we don't really have tons of traps. So the thief is doing a lot of other things too, like opening locks, which of course you could make the same, uh, potentially the same argument for against the thief by just saying, well, anyone with lock picks could try and pick a lock. Um, but they're also, uh, the person that, or the, the party member that is often the scout, the reconnaissance guy, the information gatherer, the person that gets over obstacles, like climbing walls and things. Um, so I, and who deciphers treasure maps and potentially like ancient writings and things like that. So I think the thief, oh, and, and, um, like in my house rules and stuff, they're the person that, uh, that's up appraising treasure and stuff too. And maybe being able to figure out like how much this piece of jewelry is so they don't get robbed blind by the jeweler in town when they go to sell it or the fence or the whoever money changer is that you deal with when you're selling off treasure from the dungeon. So I think the thief has a lot of different roles in a party and is not just the trap finder. But anyway, I digress. As far as the encumbrance um, comments that you have, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there, that it's in a game like OSR D&D games, old school TSR era D&D games where treasure is the motivator for, for the uh, characters most of the time in that that's the primary way they earn experience. So you need to really focus on what they do with that treasure, how they extract it from the dungeon, what they do with it after they extract it from the dungeon, um, how it's useful, um, yeah, so I think that's all important things to consider. I do use the more abstract encumbrance in most of my gaming where your armor kind of dictates your, your movement rate. In BX, they, they basically have a few categories. You're either unarmored, uh, light armor, heavy armor, and then uh, the added slider of like carrying treasure. And BX doesn't differentiate on what each character can carry. They're all the same, whether it's a three-strength halfling or an 18-strength human. Uh, so I, I do it a little bit setting up a, a maximum load based on your strength as well. 
And the other thing to consider is the carrying capacity of the various containers you have as well, like the backpack, the sacks, and all that. You're not just going to pick up a thousand coins and cradle them in your arms as you walk out, right? You need something to carry them in. And a lot of times you're you're faced with the prospect, well, I can empty out my pack and fill it with gold. All right, well, what was in your pack then? That's now on the floor and left behind somewhere. So yeah, it's all about meaningful choices and stuff. And I, I, I kind of like that. And it got me thinking a little bit too about maybe having two sliders, um, determining like movement rates and things like that and how much you can carry. Maybe in addition to armor saying you're either none, light, or heavy, or maybe you add another category of medium or something to that. You could do the same thing with your gear. Uh, so you either have basically like no gear that you're walking around with. You have light, you have medium, you have heavy. And maybe cross-indexing that with armor gives you how many a, a value of like, all right, if you have heavy armor and heavy gear, you can only carry... 10 gold pieces per strength point of treasure. I'm just pulling that out of my butt. I haven't really thought about it. Whereas if you're no armor and no gear, you could carry 100 coins per strength point or something. Again, just pulling it out of my butt. But maybe having a table like that could... Uh, um, and by cross-referencing the two as well, maybe you get a movement rate. So I'll noodle about that. That's... I, I like thinking about things like that and somehow coming up with encumbrance systems that are usable and um, meaningful from a game point of view. Um, I think Nave, the upcoming Nave release, I've been reading uh, the Draft 9 that Ben put out and uh, for Nave's 2nd edition. It looks like a pretty cool game. And, uh, Jason, you'd like this because there's no thieves, right? There's no classes, so it's it's just a matter of carrying the right equipment. So maybe that's right up your alley. Maybe. Maybe. All right, let's uh, move on to the, the subject at hand, a guide to thieves' guilds in the populated Hexcrawl series. All right, as previously mentioned, what I'm holding in my hands here is a hardbound copy of A Guide to Thieves Guild, part of the populated Hexcrawl series by Todd Lebeck of Third, Kingdom's Game, Third Kingdom Games. And you can get uh, this, along with all his other supplements, and there are a lot of them, on DriveThruRPG. Just search for filling in the blanks, or Third Kingdom Games, or maybe Todd Lebeck, L-E-B-A-C-K. Um, on the back here it says, filling in the blanks is a supplement designed to help referees fill in the blank spaces on their campaign maps with interesting features and encounters. While written for old school essentials, it can be used with any OSR-style RPG or even more modern versions of the world's most popular role-playing game. Um... It is a, let's see, I think it's about 30 pages. It's a page of advertising and the open game license. So yeah, 32 pages. And let's see, it is 
editing, Brian Johnson, layout, BJ Hensley, cover art, Jen Drummond, and then some artwork, Dean Spencer, used with permission, uh, let's see, Rick Hershey, Fat Goblin Games, yeah, so, this is what it says on the tin, it's, uh, a guide to thieves, thieves guilds, so it's using, uh, the domain building and world stocking rules that I think are present in his other supplements of, like, filling in the blanks, and, um, using those methods to create a thieves guild because the the outline provided in like BX or old school essentials is pretty rough. It's um, it'll do the job, I guess. But if you really want to get down and figure out the details, you have to come up with something on your own, and this is something that could. Uh, get you right, uh, started in the right direction. So page one is an introduction to the populated hex series, and it talks about, um, the various, uh, the setting that this uses, and it has a little bit of a, a color hex map here on page two showing a region or something, but the, the meat starts on page three, and it's a guide to thieves guilds, and, this covers, you know, the basics of what a character would do to found a guild, how much it costs, recruiting guild members, and a lot of it is based upon what he calls the market class of the location that the Thieves Guild is using as their base of operations. So basically, from 1 to 10... I think how big or how big of a market this presumably urban community is with 10 being some kind of, I'm, I'm guessing some kind of metropolis, maybe capital city or huge trading hub and one being some podunk town, not even that, probably a village. It has tables determining how many guild members may be present, um, like an upper limit based on the market class from only two at market class one all, all the way up to 100 for market class 10, how many potential recruits there are in each market class, um, what... Uh, what the potential members for recruitment are as far as level, whether they're level zero all the way up to level six is a potential hire, and then what class they are. And this is where <clears throat> um, it's based primarily on OSE or, or old school because of the classes. You're not going to find things like Ranger and stuff in here. Um, member hiring reactions is kind of a modification of the uh, old school... Um, reaction table. Uh, so it, it kind of goes into first you determine like what the specialty is of the guild, uh, or the guild focus. So it could be things like assassination, begging, burglary, uh, con artists, thuggery, fencing, smuggling, 
spy ring. Um, and each of these uh, specialties kind of has their has their own little traits and their own tables as far as what each member will generate for revenue on a monthly basis um, and the expenses that each member incurs upon the guild. And then also each subset has their own guild boons and guild banes tables, which uh, are, again, you kind of de determine monthly whether or not you have these, um, these occurrences. Um, this is all pretty cool stuff. Um, there, there are some redundancies or whatever, but, uh, at, especially at the upper level of the boons and banes, they get a little bit more, um, particular to the, to the specialty at hand. Uh, another, uh, cool little thing about it is if they have rules within the recruitment, and the, the boons and banes of uh, guild members being like seek double agents or snitches and things like that too. So you can um, develop these different um, ongoing problems within a guild. Um, which brings us to the next kind of thing, which is conflict. Um, depending upon the competition within the market class. Uh, each market class also kind of de determines how many guilds it can support. And then for some of the types of specialties, you have to be a, a minimum market class to do that. You're not going to have a burglar's guild probably in a, <laughs> in a little village, right? Uh, or con artists operating in a little village. You need to have like a big urban center to support those types of things. And I've got to take a little break here. My voice is really breaking down. All right. Sorry about that. Let's uh, try and wrap it up here. Uh, so it abstracts um, potential conflicts as an external conflict or an internal conflict. And some of this uh, occurs as a result of morale checks. You have a morale rating for the guild, and certain things can can cause that to go up or down. And if there's like a morale check failed, you maybe have an internal, some kind of internal strife. External usually comes about from having too much competition in a market class or a role on uh, one of the Bane's tables for the guild or something. Um, and, but there's, so there's random tables to roll on for both internal and external conflict for, so like for an external con conflict, here's a, an example you could have, um, rob the wrong target. The guild targets someone who can seek revenge, which they proceed to do. Treat the wrong target as a class character of level equal to the market class plus one die four, along with whatever entourage would be expected of a character of that level. Um, and you can resolve that either with the rule, that conflict with as like a combat using the rules or as more of an abstract conflict system that they give here, um, that they give guidance for, for an internal conflict, um, 
sabotage is one. A disgruntled guild member attempts to sabotage a mission trigger, triggering an external conflict. A successful hear noise made by an officer or lieutenant rank of hire prevents the sabotage. So there's um, li- s- scattered throughout this is a way to use your actual thief skills interactively in this abstract system. So maybe you're, if you're, for some threats, maybe you're trying to make a successful disarm traps roll or a move silently roll or hear noise or whatever, and that can mitigate or eliminate the threat. So it it is essentially equating your level, your skill at thieves with your ability to to sidestep or deal with the various problems that can confront the guild. So that's an interesting way to um, to approach this kind of stuff. Um, then there's a section, chapter four, running a guild. Uh, this is where the the idea of morale of the guild comes into play. I wish they had the morale ratings fall in line with the 2 to 12 range that's present in um, in BXOSE, but there are the same amount of levels. It's it, In here it's given as a 3 to 18, or actually 3 to 20 range. Um, no, I'm sorry, 2 to 20 range. So, um, but you could certainly map that onto uh, the range that's present in OSE for monsters and, and retainers and stuff uh, if you want to have it be more equatable. Um, this would work fine. It's, it's not like, you know, as long as you have it in your head that it's two different ways. I don't think it's all that confusing or anything. Um, but it has a, a, a procedural way of dealing with uh, finances and what you do basically throughout the month, the beginning of the month procedures, end of the month procedures. Um, uh, it has rules for non-guild members, you know, the, like freelance thieves, determining random guilds. Um, so this has, um, I think, three primary uses. It can be used as a guidelines that the, the player and referee work together on creating a, a thieves guild that the players either are running or members of. It can be used by the referee to uh, design thieves guilds for the various communities that are in their campaign setting. And it could be used, I think, as to help facilitate running some kind of thief-based game where the characters are members of a guild, maybe rising up through the ranks, maybe trying to infiltrate a rival guild. Um, and you could use these, these procedures and tables to abstract some of the day-to-day activities or as idea generators for what's going on in, within the guild. You know, if you if you roll on some of these banes and boons, that can be fleshed out into actual adventure seeds. Likewise, the external and internal conflicts. Um, it's kind of a big picture idea that you can then drill down into and make specific like adventuring seeds or problems or 
or just background kind of uh, maneuvering that's going on within the guild that the characters operate or a rival guild or whatever. So I think this seems like a really good supplement. It makes me kind of want to look into some of the other supplements that uh, Third Kingdom games have. I know this is this is something that's been around for quite a while, and I've heard other people talk about it from time to time, and I've been interested and just never really pulled the trigger. So for me, it took <laughs> there actually being a book on the shelf at the game store to get me to to like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. Here we go. I'll buy it and uh, check it out. And yeah, I think it, this is definitely something that's worthwhile, especially if you are, like me, a fan of the Thief and Thieves Guilds and maybe have wanted to run Thief-based campaigns and stuff in a, a, a one city or region or something and have the characters be part of a gang or freelancers that are trying to, to maneuver around uh, and not uh, attract the attention of a guild and things like that. So anyway, good stuff. I recommend it. And uh, I think you can get like a big bundle of a lot of these things too for a reduced price at drive through for P, uh, in PDF. So yeah, um, let me know if you've... Uh, um, read any of the other supplements and what you think. And, um, yeah, if you have any other comments, questions, requests for the rest of OSR October here, as usual, leave me voicemails or emails at bigbalboni at gmail.com. That's B-I-G-B-A-L-B-O-N-I at gmail.com. Hopefully my voice will correct itself here sometime soon we get over this cold crud and until i talk to you again thanks for listening and don't go down in a heap my strength has returned my wounds have healed thanks to ariel's magic nothing to it it's all in the wrist ariel,